there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Are you interested in writing, especially long-form print journalism? If so, this is the episode for you, because my next guest is a super successful writer at large for the New York Times Magazine, and he's a contributing writer at National Geographic Magazine, in addition to being a best-selling author. But before I introduce you to Robert Draper, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's Time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays, giving you an exclusive peek at the episodes and the professionals we're going to be featuring that week. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four coffee.org, and the sign up box is right there on the homepage. Now, my Java-loving, aspiring journalists, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And this episode is truly one I am pulling from the archives. Journalist Robert Draper sat down with me way back before I had settled on a formula for T4C interviews. And so I wasn't doing live introductions, which is why I'm doing this one after the fact. It was such a delight for me to get to tap into Robert's wisdom and his expertise as he's among the best at what he does. Robert is a writer at large for the New York Times Magazine and has been doing so since 2008. He's also been a contributing writer to National Geographic since 2007. And he's the author of several works of fiction and nonfiction, including the New York Times bestseller, Dead Certain, The Presidency of George W. Bush. In this short Espresso Shots episode, Robert shares the key qualities and skills young journalists need to break into this highly competitive industry. And if you're interested in learning more about how Robert does what he does for the New York Times Magazine and National Geographic, tune in to the main T4C interview that I did with Robert, and you can find it by checking out the show notes for this episode. So Robert Draper, welcome to the Time for Coffee Espresso Shots. Thank you so much for having me on. What entry-level jobs are available to young people who are interested in becoming journalists? That's an interesting question, Andrea. And what I would say to it is that back when I was uh, getting started as a journalist a million years ago, the opportunity to do it yourself really didn't exist. You had to try to break into the usual mainstream publications of which there was a very finite quantity. These days, you have at your availability simply starting your own, writing your own blog, or also writing for publications that don't pay very well, and though online publications is what I'm referring to, as a result of which they recognize that they're not going to get somebody who's been working as a journalist for 20 years and are therefore receptive to the talents of individuals who are just kind of starting out. 
And it ranges from an online publication like Medium to one that may be more ideological, uh, both to the left and to the right, Jezebel to the left, the Federalist to the right. But the truth is, is that a lot of young journalists I know have found their voice and established who they are, kind of created their brand on their own. In the information age, it's entirely possible to push your stuff out there simply by self-promoting on social media, on Twitter and on Facebook and providing your own links and creating a platform that would not have been available as recently as 15 years ago. What are the most useful skills that you look for in the people that you hire? I've hired in the past, Andrea, uh, research assistants, never anybody to help me write. But to answer the broad question of what skills are most important for someone who's trying to break into the business, I think first tenacity, you know, the willingness and in fact, the desire to work hard and to leave no stone unturned in an effort to report the truth. The second is open mindedness and then a kind of accompanying open mindedness, sort of creative ingenuity, you know, the ability to look at a subject matter and say, hmm, what has not been said about this person or this activity or this institution before? Uh, what is it that I want to know? I think that for me personally, I'm drawn to journalists who approach their job anthropologically, who are not interested in advancing a point of view or an ideology, but are instead interested in revealing somebody or something so that we are brought kind of closer to the subject and learn a little something not only about the subject, but about ourselves. And so to have that kind of open mindedness and objectivity coupled with a willingness to work really hard are the primary characteristics. Later come things like, you know, developing your own voice, having a point of view and being really great at finding a obscure slices of life to write about. Those are the fundamentals that I think constitute the bedrock of a good journalist. I think I know the answer to this one, but is someone's major a determining factor, an important factor in their ability to get into journalism? Yeah, you're right. The question kind of answers itself. No, I do think that it's important when you go to college to learn as much as you can about the world that it is. That includes foreign policy, it includes political science, it also includes literature. I've never been of the belief that you should go to a university and take only those courses that prepare you in a very narrow sense for the job that you're seeking. To take, for example, if you want to be a journalist, just J school courses, to journalism courses that may teach you who, what, when, where, why, but don't really teach you about the world you're going to be reporting on. And the truth is, as you know, Andrea, that the world of journalism is, yes, crying out for good reporters, crying out for good voices, but it's also crying out for people who know something and who know other languages, who know the law, who know political science, who know history, who can string a literate English sentence together and thus, you know, have a literary sense of the world. So no, I don't think it's important at all what you major in. It is important to have as broad a base of knowledge as you can and or to specialize in something that can put you at an entry level position as someone who understands legal affairs, someone who understands European politics, someone who is multilingual. These kinds of things can really give you a leg up. And what is your 
feeling about a graduate degree in journalism? There are plenty of people that get them. How much of an edge does it give you? Well, to be honest, it can give you something of an edge. There's no question but that individuals who come out of the Columbia School of Journalism, who come out of the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern University, and a few other such educational institutions can have a leg up because through that and through the connections that are availed from going to those places, you can get an internship. And if you get an internship, then that in turn can give you a leg up when it comes to looking for a job. I don't think that a graduate degree necessarily teaches you that much more than what you would already presumably have learned while you were in undergraduate. And so I think the jury is kind of out and it's case by case as to whether it's really worth all of the time and money to go to a school that may help give you the inside track to an internship when you could have spent that same amount of time plugging away, traveling the world and blogging about it, specializing in a particular area on your own. There are, in other words, pluses and minuses to going to grad school, and it's not a silver bullet solution. You mentioned traveling the world. What other kinds of life experiences do you think are more useful for someone who wants to break into this field? Well, let's definitely start with knowing the world outside of your backyard since, you know, one of those fundamentals or one of those things that's often said about writing is write what you know. That's useful, but only so far as it goes. If you're just writing about your own backyard, then you have basically circumscribed your abilities as a journalist and limited yourself to your backyard. I also think that even beyond Tactically, it's important to know that not everything is done the way that you in the world that you occupy are accustomed to seeing. And so I have benefited immeasurably as a journalist from traveling to places like Libya and Somalia and Afghanistan and the Congo, uh, really troubled areas, but areas where you understand what the stakes are. You understand how paramount survival, sheer survival is to so many people in the global population and how for all of the benefits of participatory democracy, it's not uppermost in the minds of people who just don't want to be shot at and just want to be able to provide food for their families. So having that sense is important. The other life experience, which is kind of a static one, is reading a lot. And again, I think that that helps not only feed your body of knowledge, but you also then are exposed to other voices, to the way other people write things, the way they approach a particular topic. So I think that, you know, your external interaction with the world by traveling and your more interior interaction by reading are two of the best ways you can broaden your capabilities as a writer. Yeah, definitely. What is the best part for you of being a journalist? The best part for me is reporting. I really like to learn about why people are the way they are. And I like to expose myself to worlds that I wouldn't otherwise be privy to. I actually love writing, too. And not every writer, it's worth your listeners knowing, as Dorothy Parker once said, I like having written. So I enjoy that, too. But to me, Really, the thing that I hunger for most is the opportunity to go out into the world and um, to learn about why 
institutions are the way they are, why people behave the way they do, and to absorb all of that without judgment. Now, I've just mentioned two things, uh, reporting and writing, that I really love the most. What they have in common is that if you're a journalist, if you're a writer, these are the two things you can control. You can't control necessarily how your work is published. You can't control how many people read it. You can't control how well it's reviewed, how well it's received by either critics or the public at large. So if you don't really enjoy the things you can control, going out and reporting, sitting at home and writing, then you should think twice about being in the business because everything else is beyond your ability to control. Great advice. I certainly have a few things I could add, but I'm not going to. But here's the question. What is the part that sucks the most? Well, I think the part that I find the most difficult is that when you're writing, either you force yourself to be aware or this awareness is inflicted upon you that you are competing for the attention of people who feel like they have if not better things to do, then at least easier things to do, whether it's watching TV or or going to a bar with friends, then sitting and writing or sitting and reading a piece of long form journalism. And your editors are always reminding you of this, that you try to entertain as much as you can, try to be as buzzy or as click worthy. And these are things that I, in a perfect world, would resist. But the reality is that as a magazine journalist, to some degree, you are part of the entertainment media. And you're competing directly against TV, against lighter magazine fare, against, you know, any number of pursuits that are less difficult than sitting and reading something. I think that I don't like. The other thing that really sucks is that journalism often requires that you encroach upon private lives. And I don't like to do that dispositionally. There's a big part of me that's kind of shy. And and I really don't like knocking on doors and invading the space of people who just want to be left alone. You know, I do my best to convince myself that what I'm writing about is important. And thus, it's worth it to try to talk to people who are not in the public arena and get their cooperation or something. But still, the pushiness that is sometimes required to be an effective journalist is not something that comes naturally to me. And I guess finally, I would say it also sucks to hurt people. Broadly, as a human being, it sucks. But as a journalist, it does. Even when I'm writing about someone who has done something wrong and who therefore is worthy of the criticism that the evidence that I amass ultimately results in being out there, it still doesn't feel good to know that you have upended a person's life, that you know you have maybe made them feel bad or, or caused others to be very, very critical of them. It's a necessary aspect of journalism, but it's not something that I relish. The reality is that journalists have a lot of power and they should not relish that power. They should be mindful of it and respectful of it and realize that with that power comes great responsibility, not just to get things right, but I think also to wherever one can to be humane. And that doesn't necessarily mean pulling punches when punches are necessary, but to put things at least in the proper context so that you're not casting some person as a black and white villain if that's not warranted. I think you've almost answered my next question. What would people be surprised to learn about journalism? Yeah, I think that among the things I'd be surprised about is that there is 
as I mentioned before, a competition for other people's attention. And it means as a result that in a way, journalism is kind of a feat of attrition or a feat of triage because you know that you do not have infinite space and that you are inflicting upon people journalism when they do not have infinite time available to read it, that shorter is better. You know, compression is important. And for people like me who grew up in the South, who tend to take 10 minutes just to say, hello, how are you doing? This kind of discipline of compression does not come naturally, but it's a requirement. As recently as, I don't know, 15 years ago, that seven, 8,000 word stories written in the New York Times Magazine, National Geographic and other publications where I've worked uh, were commonplace. That's not the case anymore. And that is in part due to declining ad revenues, but it's really due to declining attention spans. And so you realize you have to be briefer than maybe you'd like. And so then you're constantly asking yourself what should stay and what should go. So for those people who think that long form journalism is, you know, this kind of luxurious enterprise where you have months and months to then lay out this very expansive case, probably say 70 percent or so of what I research ends up on the cutting room floor. You just simply can't publish it all. Wow. 70 percent. Yeah. Robert, thanks so much. We are going to pivot over to the more expansive Time for Coffee podcast. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.